0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 842 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on a Thursday. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Before we dive into what is an interesting sort of newsy podcast... On a Thursday, uh, I want to plug a couple things here. A two part episode earlier this week with Brendan Clean of Dime and Forbes, etc., about the NBA draft. That was a fun one. So go back and listen to that one if you missed it. Also, before that, we had the great Annie Finberg of The Ringer and the Hawks um, joining us recently from inside the Hawks minicamp bubble. That was a fun listen as well. And all kinds of previous draft work with Sam Bassini and Ben Pfeiffer, Max Carlin. Brian Schroeder, Zach Hood, Tower Jones, Jackson Frank, Zach Milner, all kinds of people, I will say. Uh, And by the way, those podcasts were sometimes recorded weeks or months ago at this point in time, but one of the good things about the NBA draft so far is that nothing has really changed, so those are kind of evergreen. If you are a new listener to the podcast, welcome, number one, and number two, there is a ton that you, can, that you can go back and listen to on the draft. I hope it's labeled decently enough in there. You can find it if you will go back in the archives, but I would encourage you to go ahead and do that, download, subscribe, and all of that fun stuff. Okay, um, first news item and the biggest news of the day on Thursday for the Hawks was a report from Sham Sharania. Um, Champs as part of his uh, Inside Pass column, I believe it was, referenced a couple different things, and one of them got some attention. Um, at least, got a lot more attention than others, and for a reason, because it was the way it was worded. But uh, he sort of linked the Hawks with Derrick Jones Jr., the Miami Heat forward. And I'm going to read the passage to you now. Quote, Jones will be a sought-after, unrestricted, unrestricted free agent. Teams such as Cleveland, Charlotte, and Atlanta, among others, are expected to express interest, sources said end quote. So, that is that. Uh, we will dive in now for a bit of analysis on Derek Jones Jr. Uh, first, this is not a surprise. As I, said, as I said before, if you're a new listener, you will not have heard this, I, I suppose, but the Hawks are likely to be linked to a wide cast of characters with regard to free agency. That is the nature of being a relatively appealing young core, of course, with the Hawks, and also, almost more importantly, having the most cap space in the entire league. So, off the top, just because they are linked to Derek Jones Jr. here, along, by the way, with two other teams, does not mean they're going to sign Derrick Jones Jr. or give him, you know, tons of money. Now, we'll dive in from there. Uh, just so people know, Jones Jr. is a four-year player out of UNLV. He is 23 now. He turned 24. He will turn 24 in February. Uh, first started his career with his sons, and then it's been in Miami the last couple of seasons. Listed at 6'6", 210 pounds. Uh, Jones Jr. is uh, definitely best known right now for winning the dunk contest last year, but he's also one of the best vertical athletes in the league, one of the best dunkers in the league, a a hyper-athletic guy who is long and rangy to be sure, not a terribly strong person, um, at least according to NBA NBA standards, but he is a great athlete and uh, has definitely had a bunch of highlights already in the course of his career. Um, Offensively, he's a really fun finisher near the rim. That's probably the number one thing about him offensively. He's a 61% career shooter on two-point shots. That is elite, especially for a non center. Uh, almost 68% from two point range this year. Relatively small table size, but still a pretty off the charts figure there. Perimeter wise, though, he's definitely not a marksman in the way that you would maybe want for someone who's 6'6", 6'7", and um, the results. You know, career-wise, 28% from three is not great, obviously. He took more threes this year. That's actually a good thing. You want more volume. He took 4.7 per 100, so still relatively modest in terms of volume, but the results were not out, were not outstanding. He did improve to 77% at the line this year. That's a good indicator of the future, potentially, for Jones Jr., and I'm sure that every team, or any team, that, I should say, that acquires him, or if he goes back to Miami, would want him to develop continually on his jump shot. But, um... You know, he's limited. We'll say that as a shooter at this point in time. And I, I think you can't assume he's going to shoot at a baseline. You hope that maybe he can. I'm not sure it's broken, but the uh, the results have not been great to this point in time. Um, Miami's even used to him as a role man offensively at times, which is I think is a smart move, honestly. Eric is a very good coach. He was out of the rotation late in the playoffs because they were going with like basically seven, maybe eight maximum guys. And he was just on the, uh, on, the, on the outside of that. But that's not really a huge indictment. Miami was pretty loaded. And then, you know, late in the playoffs, you usually go kind of all in with your best guy. Um, But honestly, the reason why you would not want to play him in that setting is for his offense, not his defense. His offense, he could just not be guarded a whole lot on the perimeter, and in the playoffs, you just can't afford that, honestly. But defensively, that's kind of where his appeal lies. People were asking me a little bit on Twitter after the reporting about his defense, and honestly, his defense is the reason why you would be more interested in him. I know he's known for his high-flying offense and dunks and finishes, but defensively, he's better than he is offensively at this point in time. Um, He has uh, 1.8 steals and 1.6 blocks per per 100 possessions for his career. Some pretty impressive, especially block rate for his size. Um, Good length. For a you know combo four type, he's not really a pure wing. Uh, he played some four, and I think reasonably so in Miami. He's more of a uh, four on offense anyway right now. But a guy who can who can guard wings for sure. Great athleticism, not the strongest guy in the world as I said before. But he's not gonna get bludgeoned by any, anybody except for maybe the highest level wings like LeBron would be a problem for him, Kawhi, etc. But a normal wing, he's a good defender on those guys. Not a great rebounder necessarily. He's been better the last two years though in that category in Miami. And overall, I think he is pretty enticing for the Hawks depending on the price. I've referenced him a few times, sort of in passing. I wrote about him uh, a little bit in my big, you know, pre-free uh, pre-bubble free agent look ahead for Peachtreehoops.com. He was in there as well. Not like a main central target. I know Tyler Jones is a fan of this. We'll probably talk about that at some point in the, on, on the show when Tyler joins me again. Um, Jones is a guy that I've liked for the Hawks for quite some time. He's not going to be like a huge investment monetarily. I don't think he's not on that level of guys that we discussed on this podcast recently. Your Bogdanovich types, your Jeremy Grant, like those those guys are going are to command huge money if you get them, etc. Jones is more of a discount option, but he probably will have a market of some sort given the age. That's the thing I want to mention now. It is very rare to have a rotation caliber player hitting unrestricted free agent uh, free agency at age 23. Um, he'll be 24 maybe by the time I play again, but that's a big factor and obviously a good thing for the Hawks who want to stay on that timeline. He is about the same age as their young guys. Obviously he's a little bit older than like Cam Reddish, but he's about John Collins' age. He's not like crazy old and usually a lot of the guys that he'll be compared to in this market are 27 28 years old and he's 23 that's a big thing for a hawks team especially if you're gonna give him multiple years you're hoping to get his prime essentially here if you're trying to acquire him also the heat might have bigger fish to fry um he's not one of their best for agents um they have gorgon they have Goran Dragic, and jay him for agency this year that's uh more important honestly for miami at least in the present that team is kind of not all in but they're certainly trying to win right now and trying to keep their uh, paint dry for next summer for a potential huge um, free agent push. So while dry gets your crowd might be willing to sign like a one-year balloon payment kind of deal, um, Jones Jr. might want to get multiple years, get get some security, and the Hawks could be in the market for something like that. Obviously, Atlanta could use the defensive help that he would bring. He fits the timeline with the age stuff. I think the Hawks have enjoyed success in the past as well with developing guys as perimeter shooters. Even if they can't do that, and again, I, don't, I think you can't you can't bank on it. It's a hope that you might have if you were to bring him in. But even if you assume he doesn't shoot, he's still a pretty reasonable target if you can get him at an appropriate cost. I'm not sure what the market's going to be for Jones Jr. That's important to point out, but Shams did note that Cleveland and Charlotte are among teams interested in, of course, um, those are the teams that have cap space. He also could be a team that a more playoff-ready team looks to with a mid-level or something like that, or at least part of the mid-level. So there could be some wide-ranging interest. Um, guys at the top of the market are linked more almost to the guy to teams that have you know big cap space. Jones Jr. could fit in some exceptions, so his market should be a little bit wider than some of the other top free agents. But you know, not a guy that I would absolutely advocate to break the break the bank for if I'm Atlanta, but he's definitely been on my list for a while as a guy, you know, combo forward type, defensive chops, good athlete, good finisher. He would help the Hawks. I'm confident in that. I'm not sure what his role would be. I'm not sure what you want to pay him. Because yeah, in theory He's you know a combo forward, 3-4 hybrid. He'd be behind DeAndre Hunter, of course. He'd be behind John Collins, etc. But you can't have too many good you know wing-sized players. I've said that a hundred times. I'll, I'll keep saying it over and over again. Um, even if you're not going to have that guy on the court for 30 minutes a night, there is plenty of room for depth. I know people were asking me, in fact, I got a question about this right before I started recording, about whether this would impact the Hawks in the draft. And no. I mean, first of all, the draft's before free agency, so they're... Regardless, that wouldn't be a part of the factor. But Joe Jr. is not a, not a kind of guy that you're building around and making decisions based on in the draft. I know the Hawks will be linked, and they have been linked to all kinds of those wings. Uh, we'll get to one of them later on in the podcast. But Isaac Okoro, etc., whoever they draft, that has no impact on Derek Jones Jr. Um, I'll say that pro or against. If the Hawks draft drafted a wing, they can still sign Derek Jones Jr. Um, so that's just worth saying out loud. But again, my overall thought would be that he would help the Hawks if they can get him for a reasonable cost. There definitely is a breaking point. I would not look. I would not look to pay Jones Jr. you know eight plus you know high eight figures, mid eight figures. If you can get him at a, at a discount rate, that's the kind of guy that you want to target. I'm a, I'm a big fan of a value deal like that, especially for someone as young as he is. But if we get more on this, including uh, numbers, etc., we'll talk about it more. But free agency still a, still a ways away. But that was uh, that was some actual news and an actual rumor that hit. Uh, on Thursday, so I wanted to address it here at the top of the show. Okay, we'll get into some more stuff in a second with regard to some news from Thursday. Before we get to that, though, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is rockauto.com. Chain stores often have different prices tiers for pro mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but at rockauto.com, prices are the same for everyone, and they're always reliably low. Instead of changing prices based on the market, rockauto.com simply presents the lowest prices possible at all times. No matter what kind of car or truck you might have, rockauto.com has everything you need, just a few easy clicks, and it'll have it delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is also very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, the specs, and the prices that you prefer. rockauto.com is for everyone, does not require a membership or an account login of any kind, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com is are always low and the same for pros, to do-it-yourselfers, and anybody else. So why would you spend it twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, your truck, and from there you want to write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The new improved Built Bar is even more delicious than before. I have told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like my personal favorite, Cookies and Cream, as well as Caramel Brownie and Lemon Almond Cheesecake. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. And from there, it's crucial to point out that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are high protein, high fiber, low calorie, and low sugar. And Built Bar is even great if you are on the keto diet. Go to BiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code On. When you do that, you'll get 20% off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is builtbar.com. Promo code locked on for 20% off on your next order. Check it all out at builtbar.com. All right, and two more things to touch on here on this uh, final podcast of the week, unless there's something crazy. I will not have a Friday show this week. Hopefully, you guys understand that, but I'm buried in baseball mode and there's not too much going on yet. Um, but in that same piece, from Shams Sharania that talked about Derek Jones Jr. that we re- we referred to earlier, there was a few sentences about Kentavious Caldwell Pope that drew some attention. I, I tweeted about this, so forgive me for repeating myself, but I'm going to read you the passage from Shams, and then I will talk about what that actually means. Uh, here it is, and I quote, after establishing himself as a key player heading into next season, Caldwell Pope is expected to decline his $8.5 million player option, sources said. there's significant mutual interest between Caldwell Pope and the Lakers, but there will be some external suitors. A team such as Atlanta, searching for positive, searching for productive veterans around all-star Trey Young, could emerge with interest. End quote. So, people were talking about this as, as a Hawks trade rumor, uh, or sorry, Hawks for agent rumor, and I'm here to tell you that's not what this is. Um, the wording is important here so with jones jr for instance this is sort of a, uh, a look behind the scenes of how this stuff works but with jones jr the wording is the hawks uh, sorry atlanta among others are quote expected to express interest that is wording that is intentional to say that you know the hawks are expected to express interest that 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 is that means it's going to happen and it's being reported by Sharania. in this case with kcp The wording is, quote, could emerge with interest. And it's also a team such as Atlanta, which means Atlanta's an example of a team that, again, could emerge with interest. I hope that makes sense, but those are very different things, one of which is an actual link between a player and a team. The other one in KCP is a hypothetical, and it's not necessarily being reported that that's the case by Sharanya. Okay, with that out of the way, um, I won't do the full deep dive as a result of that, but It makes sense. Obviously, as I said before with um, Jones Jr., the Hawks will be linked to everyone. And KCP is from here. Uh, He went to high school in Georgia. He played his college basketball at UGA in Athens. So that all makes sense. Also, he's at a different price point, presumably, than Jones Jr. is. And because of where he is potentially, and by the way, the Lakers have bird rights on him, the only way that he gets out of Los Angeles. At least in my mind, and we'll actually have a guest that I'm hopefully I'm hoping to come on to continue our series about um, targets um, to, that I plugged earlier with Greg Wissinger, um, Adam Morris. Those guys have been on the show recently to talk about some uh, potential Hawks free agents for the Kings and the Nuggets. But I have one planned, hopefully that happened with with KCP and the Lakers. With that said. Um, the, the way the KCP gets out of Los Angeles is with a big deal somewhere else that's just an overpay, and you have to be, and you have to have more than the mid level available to do that. The Hawks are one of those teams, and because of the fact that he's from here, because of the fact that he would help the Hawks, that's the most logical team, which I think is why Shams included them. Um, but it's not a report, anyway. Uh, The full bull rise thing is important. The Lakers can can pay KCP quite literally whatever they want up to the max. Now, he's not worth the max, quite obviously, but he's a clutch client. That matters to some degree with that organization in particular. That organization is littered with clutch clients, headlined by LeBron and AD, of course. Um, All the jokes write themselves there, but that is definitely in play to some degree here. And KCP was their third best player in the playoffs. That's crazy that he was the third best player on a title team, but it just happened. We just watched it. I'm not telling you he's their third best player necessarily moving forward, but in the playoffs. I know people would argue maybe for Rondo at times, but KCP was their, was their third most valuable player in terms of a game-in, game-out basis, and uh, he played quite well in that run. I've always been a fan of KCP, honestly. I think he's a pretty good player. Is he great? No. Is he a guy that you want to give $20 million a year to? No. But if you're the Hawks, and this is a world that does not really exist, probably, but if you get him on a reasonable contract, I would love that. The problem is, if you give him a reasonable contract, the Lakers are going to just give him a dollar more and keep him. So... I am skeptical that he gets out of out of L.A. anyway. I'm even more skeptical that he gets to Atlanta, but I do understand why. And for people that were writing this off, a couple of responses were like, why would the Hawks want KCP? Like, I would say they absolutely would want KCP at, at a certain price. Um, is he great? No. But he certainly would be a part of their rotation. He would help them defensively. He can shoot a little bit. He can create a little bit. Um, he's not a star by any means, but we just saw he's a valuable role. He's a valuable role player in the NBA. And a guy who has local ties, so that is all of that. Sorry for the, a bit of a rant there on all of the uh, logistics, but that's sort of a good look at what is a rumor and what's not, and the way that it's reported, etc. And uh, there's a reason why I wrote up Derek Jones Jr. as a reported um, piece for peacegroups.com I did not mention, I would not, I, did not, I did not do the same for KCP because uh, one was a report and the other one was not. Okay. Last thing here, and this is an NBA draft-related nugget, and it's sort of an odd thing to talk about, but I got so many questions about it, I wouldn't even normally address it, but I got a ton of questions that tweeted about it as well. Um, it's really interesting in some ways, and also really unfortunate in others. There was a video shot by Kristen Peak of Yahoo and Rivals um, of Devin Vassell working out with... Uh, Florida that teammate Trent Forrest and shooting a couple jump shots in the video. Uh, the video is now deleted. You might be able to find it. It was uh, making the rounds for a uh, several hours on Thursday during the day. So my apologies. I'm not gonna, I don't have the video still, but I saw it multiple times. Essentially, the big story and the big reaction, and I think this is the re- reason why it was taken down because there was such a reaction to it, but Devin Vassell's shooting form appears to be overhauled in the video and not in a good way. I will say this now. The video, if you've not seen it, it was from a weird sort of low angle looking up at the players. So that does not no favors. That makes it look worse almost regardless. But undeniably, I think if you watch the video, the form does not look particularly great. And it looks to be different than it was during the season. Um, in the recent past, I'm not telling you this is as bad as this, but Markel Foltz was the most famous example of this of a shot overhaul going very awry between the end of his college career and the beginning of his NBA career. Also Mikhail Bridges had some issues uh, translating and he seems to have fixed it for for the to the for the most part. But there's a couple of that you know sort of shooting overhauls that have gone wrong with top tier prospects in the last few years. And if, again I say if this overhaul is real based on the one video that I've seen, it is not a good thing in my opinion. I will say this now. I don't think this is a huge thing that you have to panic about. I normally am very skeptical, both pro and against. That's something that I've said before in the podcast, but when a video of Prospect X comes out and he makes 53 pointers in a row on the video, I'm going to tell you that I'm skeptical of that. The same is true for something that looks bad, like this that inspired some panic. So I'm probably going to be in the middle, but it's not a good data point. At a bare minimum, I understand why people were panicking a little bit about this because Vassell's shot does not look good in that video and for a guy who had some, you know, admittedly not the greatest form in the world in college. If you've seen him play, you will probably know know what I'm saying. It's not, it's not traditionally awesome form shooting wise. I can see why they want to tweak it a little bit. Um, He still made shots at a pretty high clip in college, and it wasn't totally broken to the point where he had to have an overhaul. So I can kind of see both sides there, but at, at a bare minimum, one of his traits that people like about him coming out and myself included is the fact that he projects to be a good catch and shoot guy who can make shots. Um, if the if the overhaul goes wrong in the way that it might here, and the form does not look good, it's kind of behind his head. I mean, it's good that it's high, but it's not smooth in the way that you would see it on that video. Again, I'm not trying to panic, but I'm just kind of I'm trying to explain it for people that didn't see it. It's just not great. So I saw all your questions. I did send one one tweet about it. It's not a good thing whatsoever. I'm not going to let it affect my evaluation right now with no more info. If I start hearing from people or it's been reported somewhere, maybe, that his shot is not looking good behind the scenes. That is more actionable. One video is not, but considering Vassell is one of the prime reported, uh, presumed targets for the Hawks at number six overall, that definitely matters. And if his shot is not in a good place, you know, you can argue about how much it should knock him down the draft board, but he isn't a no-brainer at six anyway. Like I, I think that it's reasonable to have him lower than six on one's draft board even with out this video impacting anything, I think he might you know, it's reasonable to think he's like nine or ten in this draft. I have no problem with that. I I have him a little bit higher than that in a vacuum, but he wasn't a no-brainer at six anyway, and if the shot is not going to be there, or if there's some weirdness there, that could be an actual factor. So we won't know necessarily unless there's more buzz or something that I hear or something that I see or something that gets reported about Vassell's jump shot, but I saw the video and that's me addressing it. Uh, he is a prominent Hawks target. We'll talk about him more, of course, in the next month, but uh, it wasn't great is my last thing that I'll say on seeing that video of Devin Vassell shooting, and my apologies for not being able to embed it, but it was deleted, so there you go on that. Okay. That'll do it for today's podcast, just me today, and I, ha- I do have at least one guest lineup for next week. In fact, I've already recorded it with Fred Katz of The Athletic. Uh, Fred covers the Washington Wizards, so we talked about Davis Bertans. That'll be up at some point next week to continue the series that I already did with Greg and Adam about the uh, Kings guys and the Nuggets guys. It's mostly Bertans, a little bit of Shazna- Shabazz Pier built into that as well, so that'll be next week as well. A couple of draft things that I already have planned that I won't announce just yet because they're not actually recorded, and you will know if you're a listener to this podcast usually, I don't don't announce things ahead of time, but because I literally already recorded it with Fred, I know it's going to happen. <laughs> so that way, uh, that's coming at some point next week. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. Um, if you are, if you are an Atlanta Braves fan, I've been li- I've been recording every day on the Talking Chop podcast. So if you listen to that, Godspeed. Thank you for your support as well. Uh, enjoy your weekend. As always, if something if the world ends, if uh, something crazy breaks, I will break in with, an, with, a, with, a, with a, an emergency podcast. But until then, I will see you next week.